This show is brought to you in part by the Rise Up, Stonewall, and the LGBTQ plus rights movement exhibit opening October 17th at the Illinois Holocaust Museum in Skokie. Find out more at ilholocaustmuseum.org. Hey everyone, I just wanted to jump in and say thank you so much for letting us take a break off last week. I also wanted to apologize for my audio issues in the first little bit of this episode. I'm super, super excited for y'all to hear the fantastic interview with the fantastic Sonal Sony from DePaul or just here in Chicago. So I just can't wait for y'all to listen. Talk to you soon. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Chicago Queer Now. We're here after a short little break. My name is Adam Rhodes and I'm here with, again, my... Always, always, always lovely co-host Taryn Allen. How are you doing, Taryn? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we got to hang out with a lot of our coworkers last night. We went to a cool panel about like queer media starring our incredible publisher, Tracy Bame, and some other amazing journalists. And it was just like such a fabulous time. I love how much I've gotten to see you lately, Taryn. I know. Yeah. And we got to check out the Illinois Holocaust Museum, which is our sponsor, you know, shout out. Um, but yeah, it was a, a panel panel about LGBT representation in the media. Um, so very interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'm in that kind of like queer journalism mindset now. Yeah, definitely. And they um, they had the Stonewall Rise Up exhibit, which uh, was developed by the Newseum R.I.P. Um, in D.C. And that's like a, this beautiful touring exhibit about um, the like queer uh, rights movement, but also like how the media has played a role in it, both. Uh, to its detriment and to its benefit um Mm -hmm. so it's just really really good yeah like you said i mean like that queer uh media and journalism mindset for sure Um, yeah so we have a really really special episode for you today we have an interview with the incredible sonal sony um they are a fantastic journalist um they go to depaul they are the they're just I just love their work so, so, so much. Um, and I'm, we're really, really excited for you to hear just like all of the fun that we had talking to them. Um, but first we just kind of wanted to talk about like our holiday plans and like what we've got going on for the rest of the year. Uh, so what are you doing for the holidays, Sharon? Yeah, we're kind of over the hump of Halloween. And, you know, I just had my birthday uh, at the beginning of <gasps> Happy November. Happy birthday, Taryn. Thank you. Um, so yeah, starting to think about Thanksgiving and Christmas plans. Um, as far as I know, we are sticking around Chicago for Thanksgiving. We'll probably spend it with Monica's parents in the suburbs. Um, and then probably for a week or so before Christmas, we'll head out to New York and see my wonderful family out there and stay for a bit. Um, it will hopefully be Monica's first time being at my house for Christmas day, which would be really cool. Um, My family still has loads of just like traditions that we've done every single year the exact same way. Um, So for her to be there for that, like with my sisters and everything, I think will be really cool. Oh my God. How are you like a holiday card? (laughs) You and Monica are just like literally like a Hallmark Channel, beautiful rom-com movie, but like without like the familial drama and like the like nonsense that comes with it. That's what we aspire to be is like the happy part of a, of a rom-com and it's, it's working out. Yeah. I think you're like literally there. I know like, it's crazy. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, <laughs> you guys are like obnoxiously cute. Um, so I, Ooh, I'm very excited. I'm going home for, I'm going home for Thanksgiving. I always go home for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to is like Florida. the really big help to Florida, uh, to sunny Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Thanksgiving's the really, really big holiday in my family. Uh, my brother was born Christmas Eve, which um, is also, if you are a Cuban like me, is Noche Buena. Um, that's its whole other holiday, but so we don't celebrate Noche Buena in my house because of that. Um, and then Christmas also isn't like low key, but like we don't like, we do not talk about Christmas until it is Christmas, like kind of deals. Like we like, gotcha. give my brother like his space for his birthday. Yeah, so Thanksgiving is a big holiday in my family. I don't know what I'm doing for Christmas. Uh, it's my brother's 30th birthday. So he is, he's taken like a little trip for his birthday. Uh, so I don't know how that impacts like our Christmas plan. I mean, he's not coming home for Christmas because of that because he's like doing his own thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe my parents will come up here. It'll be cute if my parents came up here for like having a white Christmas, you know, um, get hibachi a present. My, we definitely get the dog's presents every year. My two dogs back home famously always get like a comically large dog toy because like they're two tiny little terriers. Like they have um, this giant like caterpillar toy that is like six feet long and like oh is, my like, god really, like the, and like they both carry it. It's so, so funny. like big, yeah. <laughs> it's big. I mean, like okay, it might be like two feet long, not like six, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> oh my god, I was like six feet. That's like a person. That's huge. <laughs> it's not <laughs> two I mean, feet. It's, like, it's the same. It's know. fine. It's between two and six. I know. I gotcha. Um, it's just like a, for them, it's comically large. Big for a terrier. Yeah. Two and six. Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think um, it's going to be a really, really low key out of the year. I think. Nice. Yeah. And while we're on the on the subject, do you have any thoughts or musings about just like, you know, queer people and the holidays in general? Um Obviously, some queer people don't have the privilege of like going home to a loving family and stuff. And that's something both of us uh, enjoy. So, yeah. A- anything to say about that? Uh, yeah, I think I, I mean, around this time of year, I always feel particularly thankful for my family. My family's very, very supportive of me. They always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, as sappy as it is, I'm always just really counting my blessings for like the family that I have and the support that I have this year, especially knowing like how much that does not exist uh, for so many other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good time of year to support organizations that help like LGBT youth and like trans folks, homeless folks. Yeah. Like all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I think, you know, it's one thing to like like oh I'm super super thankful for like my family but then it's another thing to them being like and then I need to make sure like other people have at least like some level of like love and I guess like community this time of year as well yeah and we'll go ahead and link in the show notes to a few places that you can check out um in Chicago Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um actually Tan are you gonna be home for Thanksgiving like on Thanksgiving in Chicago um I might be with Monica's parents, like in the suburbs, but I'm not sure. Thanks, cute. Yeah. Um, we're doing a early Thanksgiving this year for because like we have to like coordinate like okay, who's watching the dogs? What day? Like mm. kind of deal. Like we have to split because Randy's going home um, to his family, so we're like okay, you watch the dogs like from this day to this day, and I'll watch them like blah, 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 blah. Gotcha. that kind of deal. Um, but so I'm actually going to be home on Thanksgiving. And so I'm trying to like suss out plans. Like maybe I'll go to like a food kitchen or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Like a queer, like a queer Thanksgiving food kitchen kind of deal. Oh, that'd be fierce. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that's enough from us. I really, really want to get to this next segment on the podcast. It's uh, Sonal is so, so cool. So uh, get ready for a really great interview, everyone. Yeah. Stick around. Yeah. 
Chicago Reader Podcasts are recorded on Shure microphones. Born in Chicago, Shure has been bringing stories to life on stage and in the studio for nearly 100 years. Whether you're listening along or starting a project of your own, Shure makes extraordinary audio products you can rely on anywhere, anytime. Learn more at Shure.com. Uh, welcome back to Chicago Queer Now. Um, as we said previously, we have a really, really exciting interview uh, lined up for y'all. Uh, I just really, I'm just going to get right into it. Thank you so much, Sonal, for coming to us from here in Chicago. Uh, Sonal Sony is a fabulous, wonderful, non-binary reporter here in Chicago, one who I really, really admire, and I'm just going to let you take it away. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. That was a very sweet intro. Thanks. Oh. Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, you know, I think you are absolutely incredible. Um, if you have not seen Sonal's work, uh, number one, what are you doing? Number two, uh, they have done incredible investigations on uh, at DePaul related to just like social justice issues of so many kinds. You uh, were recently the nation and world editor at the, De the DePaulia, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's a really good like sum up of like you should do my job interviews for me. Like <laughs> I will. You know. Oh my gosh, I will. I 100% will. I. Yeah, yeah, it'll be perfect. I will get you jobs for <laughs> Um Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really excited to talk. Uh, you are our first like non-reader staffer who is a guest on the podcast. So we're super excited to have you, Adam. I know you have tons of questions lined up. So do you want to kick things off? Yeah, totally. Just, just let's just start off like really nice and easy. Why don't you tell us about yourself, Sonal? Yeah, so my name's Sonal Sony. Uh, I am 22, and I'm currently a senior journalism major at DePaul. But I'm actually taking some time off of school right now. Um, also, I do go by they them pronouns. So, like Adam mentioned earlier, uh, I am non-binary, um, and I'm also South Asian. So, I am a journalist of color. Um, and yeah, that's just a little bit about me. What really made you get into journalism? I like, I feel like you, um, thinking back to like my own student journalist experience, like when I worked at the paper, you strike me as like one of the people that has like, I've always known I wanted to be a journalist. Like I like, truly like there was, you remind me of this uh, girl, I'll give a shout out to Caroline Glenn. She was the news editor at the paper. She works at the Orlando Sentinel now. Um, and she literally like, it was just like instinctual her like really impressive just like reporting traps like knew exactly how to like frame shit knew exactly like how to like get that story or like was just like really good and like was just so adept and like you really strike me as someone who like has just like that such like innate talent like where what got you involved in journalism well that is so sweet I am so flattered um <laughs> wow um well first of all thank you um second I did not know like from day one that oh I want to be a reporter I want to be a journalist I didn't know until honestly pretty recently. Um, so I think, um, I would say I've been like in the industry for two years, um, kind of like professionally, however you want to define that. But yeah, I didn't like before coming to college, I didn't have any journalism experience in high school. Um, I think I was like interviewed for the school paper like one time. And that was like as much experience as I got. Um, I ended up taking some time off of school after I graduated high school and I really was confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like for a minute, I really thought, you know, like I want to like, oh, be a scientist or I want to like 
be a professor or I want to like be a geologist who knows like I was just like really lost really didn't know what I wanted to do um and I kind of fell into journalism I just decided to choose it as a major because I thought it was really versatile I knew I liked writing and reading I thought maybe it was something I'd be good at just that sort of thing and then I really didn't you know plan to really like it and really find a passion for it but I did and I just hadn't really considered changing my major and I just don't see that for myself um I guess I feel pretty like fortunate to like find something I like to do so early on um but yeah that's kind of how I got into it but um to wrap around back to what you initially said <laughs> no I did not <laughs> always know I wanted to do this um but I'm super happy to be here and I'm happy that that gives you that perception of me so. oh my gosh of course um yeah I had a really roundabout journey uh to journalism as well I like cannot tell you how many like just random ass careers it was just like I want to be this I want to be that at one point I wanted to be like a firefighter like d- hello what um <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer that was like my like college like aspiration was like I am in college I want to be a lawyer I remember like I had like the uh I had like a marine biology phase like in middle school or whatever um, oh my god I feel like, <laughs> why does it feel like so many people go through a full phase with marine biology just because you're like, oh, like, I like dolphins. Like, I like the ocean. That's exactly what it is. I feel like, <laughs> like the ocean is fun. And I like why I want my job to just be like learning about the ocean. Because like you think about it, it's like, I think like when you're that age, you think like working was like, oh, obviously working as a marine biologist is just going to the aquarium every day. Right. Like, like I get to <laughs> swim with dolphins. Yeah. Right. And it was like, it'll be my job to swim with dolphins. And I was like, I will get to be the person doing flips like in fucking SeaWorld. Um, and then you learn that it's actually just like very sciencey and gross. Yeah. Like, a lot of goo. That's funny because I also really wanted to be a marine biologist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's like, I don't know why I like really wanted to do that because like my ass could not even like, like I hardly passed chemistry. Like I would not. Oh. Yep. My biology grades were the uh, death knell to my scientist dreams. Um, I was I like really a, bad about I think it's a queer experience to have career aspirations and realize you're not at all qualified. Like you don't have the right brain for it. I wanted right. to be an astronaut and I was like, I hate math and science. I will not exactly. be able to do this. That's what it is. I think like we want like the drama and just like, I want to be like an <laughs> astronaut or like a marine biologist <laughs> or like something very cool sounding. And then when we investigate and you're like, that's harder than it looks. So yeah. like goodbye. Yeah. Well, we're all but in media now. Like, so yeah, we're. I mean, we all found our place. Right. Um, and there are fabulous queer scientists and queer astronauts. I'm assuming. Um, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. But like, God <laughs> yeah, bless. God bless. Taryn and I went to a really, really fabulous panel last night. Uh, include which included our incredible boss Tracy Bame, about like representation in queer media, like the where it's going where it's been things like that it was uh at the illinois holocaust museum part of their rise up stonewall exhibit uh the generous sponsor to this podcast and so one of the questions i'm going to steal from the moderator eric marcus is um what is your earliest memory of like queer representation in media that can be in like news that can be in movies in music whatever like what is your I guess like first queer memory of like seeing something that like you latched on to yeah that's a great question um you know when you first mentioned like media my first thought was movies and like television which I didn't really see that much um representation on screen um I think part of it was there really wasn't that much 
there um, and also accessibility. Like I didn't grow up with cable for a while. Um, also my parents um, are immigrants. And so uh, they didn't really like pass down any sort of like, I don't know, pop culture type things to me. So it really wasn't like, um, I guess like a traditional like American upbringing. So it differed in that way where I didn't see that much representation on the screen. But the more I think about it, at least in music, I remember like maybe one of my like first like gay awakening moments was like, I remember when Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl came out and like mm. I downloaded it to my mom's like flip phone because she didn't know how to like do that. And then I would like secretly like listen to it. Like, oh my God. Like, oh my it. God. <laughs> I just the forbidden remember, flip like, phone recording <laughs> like such a repressed memory like I like I haven't thought about this in so long but I remember like the line that's like <laughs> like you know I kissed a girl and I liked it like I liked the taste of her cherry chapstick and I was like mm -hmm. oh my god and I asked my mom to buy me cherry chapstick because I was like, <gasps> yes no <laughs> yeah scandalous so, I was like so young I must have been like I couldn't have even been like 10 but I was just like that was like that was like a moment for me yeah definitely um but oh i wish that there was more like i wish that there i had seen more representation but you know like the older i get and the more that i like do my own like research and have conversations with like other queer people the more like media i do like consume and mm -hmm. like it's awesome to see that representation um you know better late than ever i guess yeah absolutely i think that was definitely a theme at the panel last night as well that like there was either, you know, uh, like Kate Sawson was on the panel, like icon, um, and they spoke about, you know, like not having any representation of like gen, like not any like genuine representation of like a trans masculine person or like a queer person in media or like somebody like them. Um, and I think, you know, as non-binary people, like we've only been getting represent like true non-binary like openly non-binary representation in the past like year or two i would say um <laughs> i guess we now reluctantly have to tune into abc's Grey's anatomy because there is a new non-binary character um i remember watching Grey's anatomy when it like first came out with my mom and like in one season there was like a bomb scare and then like somebody showed up and there was like a oh, I'm like, they're a strange wife. And then like somebody else got stabbed and it was like too much, like it stressed me out. Like it gave like 10 year old Adam like panic attacks. I would just like, is chaotic. this what adult is? Like, is am I just, chaotic. you know, like when you think when you're a child, like you think quicksand is going to be a bigger problem than it is. I was oh like, God. I was like watching, <laughs> I was watching, <laughs> um, I was watching Grey's Anatomy and I was just like, is like, are like bomb threats and like, is this a bigger problem than I like, or like, am I just gonna be experiencing like plane crashes and like bomb threats and then like weird fairy accidents? Like, am I gonna be like dodging like disaster day after day? So it I like mean, really stressed me out, but I guess we'll just have to tune in. <laughs> I feel like this one of the straightest things about me is that I've seen way too much, far more Grey's Anatomy episodes than I care to admit. Mm -hmm. um, but no, we have to watch it now because, yeah, there's a non-binary character. So, I mean, like, I need that representation, you know. Right, we yeah. have to see. Start so, from the I beginning. Guess. It'll take you, what, like 10 years to catch up to where we are now because there's like oh a bajillion seasons. There's like 17 seasons. Yeah. There was, I, um, I will say, Grey's Anatomy did have really, really good queer representation. On, like, it's some of the earliest. Uh, the, the Callie Torres and Arizona, I do not remember her last name. Um, and, you know, it was really, you know, they were a biracial 
couple as well. Um, Callie Torres is bisexual. And so it was like really this, uh, for its time, it was like fucking way ahead of its time. Um, The actress, I forget her name, that plays Callie Torres um, came out as non-binary. Yes. (gasps) Full fucking circle. And she, or they (laughs) are going to be um, on the, I believe it's the Queers Folk reboot or something like there there's um no sex in the city geez i was just like trying to get it as queer as possible Ah. they're going to be a non-binary character in the sex in the city wow so like wow this comes full circle i love all of this see it (laughs) all connects i feel like charlie in that one ahead of the curve i guess for queer representation oh absolutely i mean but then like the relationship and the show like jumped the shark several times there was like Oh gosh, I don't remember where I stopped watching. I think it was like right, it was like right around the plane crash. And then, you know, that brings up the question, which one? So like, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen it, so yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely haven't watched more than that. <laughs> See, I love like the blank <laughs> stares when I said plane crash taught me and it was like, oh, so I've watched the furthest. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, how about you, Taryn? I've asked, uh, I've talked a ton. How about you? Do you have any questions? <laughs> I, uh, I guess I'll I'll pull it back to um, just being a queer journalist. Uh, so so now tell me a little bit more about like your queer identity. Um, if you want to talk about your like coming out and just how that has influenced your work as a queer journalist in Chicago. Yeah, totally. You know, like um, that's the sort of thing. It's like I don't know when I necessarily ever really like came out uh, growing up. I always knew that I wasn't totally straight. Um, and it was the sort of thing where, especially in the environment, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, I grew up in um, St. Louis, and I grew up in Kansas City. Um, and growing up in Kansas was really difficult. Um, it wasn't really something where I wanted to draw more attention to myself than I already did, just being a person of color in this predominantly white town. Um, so it was the sort of thing where like, even into college, I was just like, this is something I accept about myself, but it wasn't something I necessarily like talked about or publicized or talked to my friends and family about. Um, I think honestly, like leading up to the pandemic, I just thought, oh, like my identity, it's really not that big of a deal. Like why, why should it matter? I'm not gonna make a big deal out of it. And then the pandemic happened and, you know, we were spending a lot of time inside and it kind of like gave me this time. It kind of forced me to think about my sexuality, my gender identity more. Um, And it was one of the first times in my life where I was really like confronting my identity and the way I like express myself. Um, And I realized like, you know, I don't, I don't think that like I want to present the way I have been presenting. I don't, know if I want to try out like new pronouns. I was just feeling a lot of, I guess like confusion. Um, so I ended up making some like changes. Um, I asked my friends to go by, to call me uh, they, them. And I started going by that. And, you know, I haven't turned back. I feel like um, that time over the course of the pandemic, which obviously we're still in, just really allowed me to kind of grow into myself a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I hate that term like silver linings because um, the pandemic obviously is a really hard time for everyone. But like, that's one of the things where it's like, I don't think I would be as confident in myself um, had I not had gone through that. And then Adam, I know like we were talking um, yeah. and you 
you went through kind of something a little bit similar to that too, right? Yeah, definitely. Like the pandemic, I mean, I've always um, been uh, interested in like uh, really um, a fan of like playing with gender identity or like gender expression. Like um, as you can, if you've seen my shoe collection, I have everything from like regular Converse to like literally like thigh high, like mirror patterned um, stilettos that I bought from a homosexual online. Um, <laughs> it was part of what he literally had, it was like a gay Raj Taylor. It was like, if you know, you know. But like, even with that, like kind of like history of like, oh, I like, like it. I've always, I, up to like the pandemic, I died when I was like, oh yeah, I'm a boy. I think I'm a boy, but blah, blah, blah. like that was usually just my um, understanding of myself. But when I, was like like you said when I was forced to just like sit inside all day um and just kind of like sit with my thoughts and like sit with myself and like my sense of self and like who I was I really came to the understanding that like I definitely don't see myself as a boy and I see myself more as um neither a boy nor a girl just like someone in between or somebody like on a spectrum of the two or just like somebody's outside of that spectrum just like definitely just like not fitting within um I guess the None of that makes sense, but I feel no, like that was, I was just about to say I feel like that's so well worded like that. I that is exactly how I was feeling. So yeah. Um. So yeah, but uh, and I think that's just I've seen so much writing and so much journalism about that though that like you know um that like the work from home like life has been so particularly helpful to trans people or um being at home has uh brought so many people um such more gender euphoria because they've been able to like like I've been able to like wear dresses and skirts around my apartment and not worry if I'm gonna like people are gonna stare at me I mean I get stared at in Andersonville for like wearing pink shoes like I'm definitely not at the place where I'm gonna like wear dresses and skirts out in Andersonville yet but um I think yeah like you said one of the reasons I feel like so confident to like be very publicly non-binary I think is because of the time that I we spent like really gaining confidence during the pandemic, like at least just like within ourselves. So like now that when we go out in the street and I was like, you can't tell me shit, girl. Yeah, I'm going off of that. I also have this mindset where it's like literally a pandemic and uh, at least to me an unprecedented pandemic, like just hit me. Um, so I'm gonna live every day, like disasters just around the corner. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I definitely like cultivated some sort of sense of style over the pandemic. But like, I also like have brought that like to my journalism, like to my writing. Um, I've like written personal narratives that like I never really would have done before. And I've like been really vulnerable um, and that's really come through. And I'm actually really surprised by like how much people will like respond to that and be like, hey, like I, you know, resonate with like what you're saying here and like, thank you. Cause it's the sort of thing where it's like, I always get in my head and I'm like, no one else is thinking about this stuff. Like I'm mm -hmm. just, I'm just, you know, looking into it, but no, it's really cool to just like feel seen and like get connected with people and like, like you, like, you know, like that's kind of how we met. Um, and now like, we're like in this cool queer community together. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you and I have like mentioned this when we've uh, talked, but like being queer, like has definitely, I think, I think I will selfishly say this and it might be controversial, but I think being queer makes me a better journalist in some capacities. I think they're, especially in our current like political social moment where like 
trans rights are just like continually under attack. The people who are doing the most adept, the most like nuanced, the most clever and insightful and important journalism are the queer, trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming journalists who have lived experience that is similar or like this. And so, you know, like, I think it gives us a leg up, but that's just- For me. sure. Yeah, I think like, you know, objectivity is a myth and this kind of old fashioned idea that like, like you can't cover the communities that you are a part of. Like, mm -hmm. I think queer journalists inherently have to kind of step outside of that and be like, well, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it anyway and I'm gonna do it better. And like, so I know that is just one of the things that you've been doing. Um, yeah, kind of translating your identity into like very good reporting and Adam, same mm -hmm. for you. So it's okay. like, it's a privilege to follow journalists like you guys. Oh, well, um, I mean, you are a fabulous journalist yourself, Taryn. So I'm not gonna let you sell yourself short there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, and I think that also goes with like literally everyone who's not a cisgender white straight male. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, how long have, like, women been, how long were women relegated to, like, the women's issue pages? Or, like, how long has the media industry, I mean, it continues to be, frankly, antagonistic to people of color. But the people who are able to report on these issues are the people who rely on their lived experiences. Um, as Nicole Hannah-Jones does in the 1619 Project, she's a Black woman reporting on this. Um, and I think that's just what makes it really, really strong. So this interview could go on literally for days. Um, so now I, you are incredible. Um, I'm so happy you're here, but we do have to get to our very last segment of the podcast, which is our queer picks. And so I will go this week. I will go first this week. Uh, my queer pick this week is the Price is Right contestant costume that was my Halloween costume this year. It's like a simple cute little name tag that my partner made, but it was also the first couples costume I ever did. Um, it's the, it was just, my partner and I both had them on and it was just like simple but cute and it was like weirdly like affirming to my queer identity so that was great cute yeah how about you Sonal okay so I've given this some thought so okay. I recently went to the thrift store and I bought a bunch of vests I'm actually wearing a vest right now oh um, yes vests super gay i cannot tell you the last time i saw a straight person wearing one um but they're not allowed yeah and so i just um yeah that's been on my mind recently actually so uh, yeah i hope that added something to the conversation that's yeah a good definitely one. that's perfect that's perfect how about you taryn um yeah so like i said i just had a birthday this week and one of the surprises that my girlfriend monica gifted me was a delivery of some <laughs> a delivery of some fancy macarons from a vanille patisserie in chicago um i just think they're a very cool and fancy dessert and obviously don't get to have them very often so it was um a good surprise to get a lot of them in a lot of different flavors and have that for breakfast on my birthday um, and to enjoy them throughout the week. So I think macarons themselves, a queer dessert, a favorite of mine. So yeah, that's it. Fabulous. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, that we love cute. Monica. We love Monica. Monica's great. Yeah, Monica um, the bar. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can, we need to talk about their Halloween costume too. They're Monica and Chandler from Friends and it was so oh. good. Can I real quick just plug my Halloween costume? Yes. I was Ramona Flowers' first ex-boyfriend, Matthew Patel. 
<laughs> yes. Oh my God. I love that movie. Also a very queer experience. Yeah. The by furious so. line is, oh, oh gosh. Like the, oh, I'm a little by fury. Like I quoted that for so long that Amazing. it was annoying. All right. Well, I will, we will let you go. Sonal, thank you so, so much for being here. Um, you are welcome back any, anytime. It was so great talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to listen. Um, but yeah, have a great day, y'all. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Chicago Queer and Now is a podcast from the Chicago Reader, the city's independent bi-weekly alt-newspaper that's been keeping things free and freaky since 1971. The show is hosted by Adam Rhodes and Taryn Allen, produced by Brianna Wellen, and edited by Adam Rhodes. It features original theme music by Richard Brazil, voice work by me, Kirk Williamson, and show logos by Taryn Allen. Reach out to us at cqn at chicagoreader.com. Follow us on Twitter at Chicago Queer Now and support this podcast and the rest of the Chicago Reader team by going to chicagoreader.com slash donate.